Islamic cure for depression. First and foremost, it is important for us to recognize how serious the illness known as depression is. Because sometimes we take it uh, for granted, and actually we mix it up with sadness. And there is a difference between a quantitative difference between sadness and depression. Now, depression involves sadness but it is sadness to an extreme level. And according to the clinical definitions of depression, it involves particular symptoms, you know, uh, which are identifiable. They've, they've been listed. And, uh, you know, one before saying, you know, I'm in a state of depression, they should really look at this uh, list and confirm whether what they are talking about is actually depression or not. It is the fourth leading cause of death in the US through suicides. 75% of suicides are a result of depression. And <clears throat> the country with the highest rate of suicide is New Zealand. Yeah, New Zealand. I mean, one would think, why? These people are just sheep and, you know, <laughs> where is all this depression coming from? You know? But they have the highest rate in the world. <clears throat> And it affects more people than cancer in the U.S. And you can extend that to the rest of the world. It's just these are the statistics that we have. And more than heart disease, the various diseases of the heart causing heart attacks, etc., there's about 17 million people in America who suffer from heart disease. Those who are suffering from dep depression are more. So we're dealing with something that can affect people on a level which is, to us, to the normal person, incomprehensible, difficult to understand. Whether it is a child coming to school, like in the Columbine massacres, a young 
boy coming to school because he got dumped by his girlfriend. He brings his father's gun collection with him to school and he starts mowing down his classmates, his teachers, principal. Or we have the case of uh, Adolf Merkel, not related to the current president, who was the 94th richest person in the world in 2009. He was the 94th richest person in the world. He had a fortune of $8.5 billion. And the depression or recession which took place at that period of time caused him to lose in his investments in Volkswagen $400 million in the space of a very short period of time, a month or so, he lost $400 million. And he built his own industrial empire by himself from zero, worth $8.5 billion. What he did after realizing that he went one morning to the train tracks, lay down on the train tracks, and waited for the train to run over him. Killed him. Suicide. This is a man who still had $8.1 billion. <laughs> and what happened here? $8.1 billion, if a person lived until the age of 80, he would have to spend $280,000 every day of his life from the time he was born till he hit 80 and died. Imagine that. And this man killed himself. So we're dealing with something. He was 74 years old at the time. So he wasn't a young person. He was still mentally, his faculties were all there. But when falling into this state of depression, then everything around him lost its value. He became unable to see good in anything. That's what takes people to the point where they feel life is not worth living anymore. And there is no clear treatment medically for depression. The psychologists who specialize in this area don't even know the cause. They say, some say it's hereditary. You know, they say they have identified 
two chemicals, uh, serotonin and dopamine, dopamine uh, as two chemicals that if a person is in a state of depression, the, the quantity goes down. When the quantity comes up, they uh, are in a better state. Actually, what causes the quantity to come up is seen in various treatments that they give, etc. But Islam has provided for Muslims a means to deal with depression as a part and parcel of life. And this is not to say that where people are in states that can't be treated normally, you know, we deny them access to trained psychologists who perhaps can help them. But Islam provides a theoretical basis as well as a practical basis for the treatment of depression. First and foremost, where people have set the goal in life, what is considered to be a good life, as a stress-free life, we need to understand that this is not possible, first and foremost. A stress-free life is no life. When you're dead, stress is gone in this life. As to the barzakh, that's a whole nother story. Okay? But the point is that we are constantly encouraged through the motivational speakers and, and writers, etc., you know, and given that carrot, you know, hanging on a stick that we run after, the stress-free life, you know, be happy. This is about it, you know. No stress, naturally you're going to be happy. However, reality is that Allah told us, لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي كَبَدْ Allah said, I have created human beings in difficulty, kabad, struggle, stress. That's how he created us. And it's natural in our lives to have struggle. From the time we're born, if you observe a child coming into the world, from the safety of the womb into this world, it's a massive struggle. Children die in the process. Mothers die in the process. It's struggle. And then 
what the child goes through growing drinking milk you know crying for food and milk starting to walk you see the children the struggle that they have to go through to finally stand up and then take their first steps and they fall down and it that is natural every child goes through that and this is how allah has created us so human nature is basically one which is stressful stressful there's stress in it there's stress in our lives so the real challenge is not to live a stress free life but to know how to handle stress in life this is the challenge not to find a stress free life find an island somewhere in the pacific you know coconut tree and you just lie there in the sand tsunami is coming <laughs> wipe you out <laughs> you know no th- this is not um, this is not real life this is uh what is sold to us in the media if you have enough money you can do that and what you have to do to get that money is so stressful most of us never make it <laughs> right So the challenge for us is to manage stress in such a way that it doesn't lead to depression. We can't escape it, but we have principles in Islam which teach us how to manage it first and foremost we have an outlook on life life which we said is stressful it has its ups and its downs times when you're happy times when you're sad times when good things are coming times when bad things are coming that's just how life is So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam gave us a basic principle on how to deal with the ups and the downs of life. So this is concept which we can apply. He told us that the affair of the believer is amazing and it's only in the case of the believer whenever good comes to him or her he or she is grateful to allah and allah rewards them for it and whenever bad comes they're patient and allah rewards them for it so we have the principle of gratitude and patience gratitude and patience that if we are able to handle the ups and downs of life with those two principles 
then we're not going to be overwhelmed by stress. Because our lives are either up, we're successful, we got a raise, our business made its first million, whatever. Or the business failed. Customers left. Partner broke the contract, ran away with all the money. All these things are happening. It's one or the other. So if you're able to deal with it by understanding these principles, then a great portion of stress will be managed in your life. It doesn't mean you don't get sad. Sure, you'll be sad when things didn't go right, didn't go the way you expected them to go or you wanted them to go. But you won't be overwhelmed by that sadness. And when things go well, you're successful, then you are grateful to Allah. You don't allow that success to go to your head. When it goes to your head, people think, I did it. You know, when people are successful, you see them just jumping and screaming, success. But in that state, they forget Allah. So it became I, I did it. I'm the best, I'm the one. Remember Muhammad Ali used to say what? I'm the greatest. When I met him in Riyadh, Alzheimer's had already set in and he, could, he had difficulty speaking, but slowly he could speak. He said to me, you know, the best thing that ever happened to me was Alzheimer's. Yeah. If that hadn't happened to me, I would have gone to my grave thinking I was the greatest which is shirk. Allah humbled me. I was not the greatest. He humbled me. So at that time, he told me that he used to do the dawah by preparing brochures on Islam the night before any events that he was invited to. Of course, these events were usually filled with non-Muslims. So he would spend the night before or two days before just signing these brochures which were explaining what is Islam. What is prayer in Islam? fasting in Islam, whatever, he would sign very slowly. Maybe it would take him five minutes for every brochure, but he would just take his time and sign them. Because he knew that these, at the end of his 
event, these would be distributed, they would be given, signed brochures by Muhammad Ali. People would treasure that. Maybe they weren't interested in Islam. Mostly they weren't. But still they would take the brochure home with his signature and maybe they might say, well, what is, what is this about anyway? You know, and start to read it. He kept doing that da'wah until he died. May Allah bless him, give him paradise, forgive his sins. The Prophet ﷺ also gave us dua. And we know that dua is of a special place, having a special place in Islam. The Prophet ﷺ stressed it to such a degree that he said, the only thing that can change qadr is dua. Dua being individual prayer. Because usually dua translated as prayer, people think salah. You know, so salah, dua, we know is a distinction between it. Salah includes dua, but dua does not include salah. So he told us a dua to make, which again, people who are struggling with stress, etc., should learn. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-hammi wal-hazan. Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from worry and depression. From worry and depression. This is something for those of us that feel depressed or feel that they're unable to handle their situation, that they should learn this dua. You may say it in English or Bahasa or Arabic. It's nice to say it in Arabic, help you to learn a little bit more Arabic, to understand it, to understand what it means. But not to say it without knowing what you're saying. Right? We also have another dua, which was the dua of Prophet Yunus. Jonah in English. The Noon, the title given to him also where his people rejected him, rejected the message of Islam that he brought, which is the sunnah of the people of all of the prophets. Whenever the prophets came, the people rejected them. Virtually without exception, as far as we know. But eventually, they would win the people over. In the case of Yunus, 
Prophet Yunus salam. His people rejected him continually till he gave up hope and he abandoned them. Says so it's just totally useless. No point. So he tried to get away from where he was. He went on the sea. He got caught in a storm. Everybody knows the story. Fell out, swallowed by a sea creature. We don't know if it's a whale, a big fish, a shark, mega, or whatever. We don't know. The point is that a sea creature swallowed him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected him from being digested. Because what happens when you get in the stomach of an animal? They're going to digest you. Digestive juices will be all over you and you're dissolved and absorbed. Right? So Allah pre prevented him from being digested. And in the belly of that creature, he made dua. La ilaha illa ant subhanaka inni kuntu min al-dhalimeen. This dua, the Prophet Muhammad said, which means there's no God worthy of worship but you. May you be glorified. I was and am among the sinful. He repented for the sin, mistake, error that he did by leaving the command that Allah had given him to his people to go and carry the message to his people. So the Prophet ﷺ had said, Allah will relieve the distress and depression of anyone who makes the prayer of my brother Yunus. That's the promise of the Prophet ﷺ. So again, it's another dua which we should take benefit from to help us in dealing with the depression. And with regards to that incident with Prophet Yunus, there are four basic lessons that we should take from it. One, the need for patience in all of our affairs. We talked about the principles of the ups and the downs. Prophet ﷺ gave us that principle to be grateful when things are good and to be patient when things are bad. Now most people are impatient. Human beings were created hasty by nature. We want to do things right now, now. Immediately. Impatient. It's our nature. So, 
those people that have been born by Allah's qadr having patience from an early age they're known for their patience they are few and far between and they've been blessed especially but the vast majority of us are impatient that's the rest of us impatient so if Allah made the majority of us impatient and he wants us to be patient then it must mean that it is possible for us to become patient even though we are by nature by our genetic makeup impatient so Prophet Muhammad being the final messenger of Allah to humankind he didn't leave this world without telling us the formula for learning patience he told us whoever pretends to be patient continually Allah will give him or her patience whoever pretends meaning you're in a stressful situation whatever you're impatient you want it but you hold yourself back and you pretend to be patient inside you're not but on the outside people say oh but look how patient so it's always inside you're not you're just fighting it that if you keep doing that eventually it will become your nature this is what the Prophet ﷺ told us it's just like people who are angry actually it's a general principle that you can apply to all of these characteristics people who are angry people just say ah, that's how I am I can't help it you know they just flare up but it is possible if they use that same principle that when they feel that they're going to they hold themselves back you know inside they're exploding but externally if he keeps or she keeps doing that eventually they will overcome anger it's possible because Allah is not going to give you a characteristic that you cannot overcome and then punish you for that characteristic that doesn't make sense that's unfair so all of those higher noble characteristics which as Muslims we should invite others to and we should ourselves practice all of these characteristics are attainable we don't have to say no it's only the prophets only the saintly people special people 
even the most common of people. It's possible. You know, in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there was one companion who nobody knew as a notable person. There's even doubt about exactly what his name was. But on one occasion when the Prophet ﷺ was sitting in a circle with his companions and he walked in the masjid, just before he walked in, the Prophet ﷺ said to all of the companions there, the next person who walks into the masjid will be from the people of paradise. So they all looked to see who was coming in. And in walked this companion. In the narration, his name is not even mentioned. He walked in, carrying his shoes in his hand, sandals. Water was dripping from his beard. He prayed two rakah and sat down with the Prophet But he looked at him. MashaAllah. MashaAllah. The next day, in the halaqa, in the circle with the Prophet a time came and he said the same thing. The next man who comes inside of the masjid will be from the people of paradise. They're looking again. In walks the same sahabi. Puts his sandals down, prays and comes and sits with the Prophet It's not Abu Bakr. Not Omar, Uthman, Ali. <laughs> Third time he came, Prophet said the same thing. In, he walked again. One of the companions, Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Alas, he said, I decided to find out what it is about this man. What was so special about him that the Prophet ﷺ would designate him among the people of paradise? Only a few people who in his time, in his lifetime, he said these people will be of the people of paradise. Al-Mubashirin al-Jannah. So he went to the man, he said, listen, <clears throat> after the circle, he was leaving, he came to the man, he said, listen, now, uh, I got into an argument with my father and so I need to leave the house. So can I spend a couple of days with you? Nights? Sleep over your place? He said, sure. He brought him. So night time, time to sleep, came. He's waiting to see you know, is this guy going to get up for tahajjud? He waits, middle of the night, fajr, no tahajjud. Maybe he's going to make suhoor. No suhoor. Okay. He prayed his fajr and, you know, in the masjid, everybody. Second day, same thing. 
Third day, same thing. Oh, no, he's frustrated. What is this? There's nothing special about this guy. Why in the world should he be among the people, you know, designated to be among the people of paradise? So he told him, he said, listen, actually, I, I, I didn't have any argument with my father. I just wanted to see what it was. He said, what you saw is what it is. That's, I do what I, you saw me do. I sleep at night. Get up in the morning, fajr, so and so. Nothing. Not necessarily tajr. Sometimes. Fast sometimes. Why is that? He said, well, there's only one thing I could say. Before I go to bed at night, I make sure that there's no rancor in my heart for anyone. Abdullah ibn Amr said, ah, that's it. That's the one that's so difficult for everybody. That quality. And nobody, quote unquote, so to speak, from among the Sahaba, that quality distinguished him from everybody else. So, it is attainable by everyone. The deen the peak, the pinnacles, is attainable by everyone. It only requires us to practice Islam. The second lesson from the story of Yunus is to acknowledge our mistakes to Allah and to those around us. If we don't acknowledge our mistakes, we can't correct them. We can't change them. The third is repentance. Immediately. It's what he did. And <clears throat> the fourth is to glorify Allah throughout our day. To glorify Allah. Not just as a ritual, subhanallah, we repeat it culturally many times, after each prayer, etc. But not reflecting in our glorification of Allah. Because without reflection, it is useless. It's just a sound. Subhanallah. You know? People say, Subhanallah, Subhanallah. Remember that? <laughs> People, hey, Subhanallah is far different from Subhanallah. To be serious, in that sense. So, from Prophet Yunus, we learn those principles, all of which create a personality capable 
of dealing with stress, handling stress, not escaping it, but handling it. Sadness, we have the book which was translated into English, it's don't be sad. Huh? When the Prophet and Abu Bakr were in the cave on the way to Medina, Abu Bakr got scared. The Quraysh were close. He said, La tahzan, in Allah ma'ana. This is translated as don't be sad. Actually, that's not the correct translation. Though everybody knows it as that, etc. It's not don't be sad. Because Prophet Muhammad was sad when his son died in Medina, when his son died, tears came down his cheek. He was sad. We have by our nature times when we are sad and we will feel sad. So to say don't be sad, no. Don't be depressed. That is the better translation. Don't be depressed. Don't be overwhelmed by sadness. Where you reach what they call clinical depression. Where you're overwhelmed by feelings of helplessness and hopelessness. You're helpless, nobody can help you. It's hopeless, you've lost all hope. These are among the key principles to know. Loss of interest in daily activities, your hobbies, your social activities. You don't get enjoyment and pleasure from them anymore. Your appetite is affected. Either you gain weight, you balloon, or you lose weight, you become a skeleton, you know, one or the other. These are the extremes. Both are symptoms of the true depression. You become uh, finding difficulty at night to sleep, insomnia. One of the signs, you can't sleep at night. Depression takes you to that point. Or you go to the other extreme. They call it hypersomnia. You're sleeping all the time. Can't get out of the bed. <laughs> you know. These are the extremes, right? And you become irritable. You get angry very easily. You have a low tolerance for anybody to say it, do. You looked at me. Why are you looking at me like that? And then loss of energy. You don't seem to have the energy to do anything. You become fatigued, sluggish. You just want to find a corner and die. That's it. So these are the, the signs of real <coughs> depression. So Islam offers 
a number of solutions. We've talked about some in general in theory, but among them is fasting, Mondays and Thursdays. Fasting. Where is fasting from depression? Well, when you're depressed, you feel a loss of control. Like your life is just spinning out, falling down. There's no way to stop things from happening. You've lost control of your life. This is, people are depressed is a common expression that they say, you know. I don't feel I have control of my life anymore. You know, my life is just spinning out of control. What fasting does, it gives you control. What is fasting but control? Isn't it? The essence of fasting is control. So you control the time when you eat your suhoor. You control the time when you break your fast, your iftar. That gives you a sense of taking hold of your life. You've got it under control. That can help. Demonstrating gratitude through sujood shukr. I talked about it before when I visited you guys. That's one very important way. Because gratitude through sujood shukr where you prostrate without necessarily having wudu, doesn't have to be in the direction of the qibla, you just go into prostration, especially when something good happens in your life. That's the norm. But for people who are already depressed, then they need to go and prostrate and find the good things in their lives. Go down and prostrate and think about. Stay down there till you can remember something good in your life. That very day or yesterday, if you can't find anything today. But actually every day there's something. But you stay down there until it comes to your mind. And every day you go ahead and you do sujood shukr remembering other things which were good. And you keep doing that day after day after day, eventually your outlook will change. Because where you thought there was no good, because this is the problem. When you feel there's no good in your life, and in reality, there is plenty of good. There are always people far worse off than we are. So you just need to reconnect with the good that is in your life. So when you have that consciousness of the good, then that can start to change your whole mentality, your expression, your energy, all of that can start to change. And of course, our dua, the two duas we mentioned, and others. And we also have belief in Qadr, the sixth pillar of Iman, reflecting on it as the Prophet Sallallahu you know, had told us that 50,000 years before this world was created, 
Allah instructed a writing instrument to write. And it asked Allah what should it write? And Allah told it to write everything that was and would be. So whatever has happened to our lives and in our lives, it was already written. Already there. It's just for us to handle it. The good of it and the relative evil of it. As Prophet said, belief in the Qadr, it's good. Khairihi wa sharri. The good of it and evil. But the evil is relative to us. Because Allah is not evil. Whatever Allah has created is good. It is us who end up in evil by violating the rules, disobeying, disbelieving, etc. So, coming to grips with Qadr is also important mentally to help us deal with uh, depression. So, Islam, as we said in the beginning, provided already a foundation for us to deal with depression. If we are implementing the teachings of Islam in our lives properly, then we shouldn't fall into full-scale depression, becoming sad at different times, maybe depressed occasionally, but not a state of continual depression. I mean, that is only going to happen when one is not following the teachings. You know, and many times when people get depressed, they give up salah, they don't, they don't realize that that's just making it worse. Instead of trying to make your salah better, because there is in salah cure, purification, repentance, all those elements are there that can make us better human beings. Consciousness of Allah make us understand the world of, around us correctly. All of the good that is there we lose when we abandon prayer, etc., etc. So, alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed us to be Muslims. For those of us who converted to find Islam, from those of us who reverted from having left Islam, reverted back, you know, a lot of those out there too. Uh, Alhamdulillah, we thank Allah that Allah has blessed us with the greatest possible blessing that a human being could have and that is Islam. And through it, through knowing it properly, 
studying it, practicing it, and teaching it, we have a complete, comprehensive system of life which will protect us from most of the problems that general society faces. And that is why till today, in spite of where Muslims have gone away from the teachings, there's still enough energy there to protect the Ummah from much of the psychological, mental issues that exist in the first world, in the developed world, where we have a situation like New Zealand, Japan is way up there too, you know, suicide, massive. They may be number three or number two. So, alhamdulillah, we thank Allah for the blessing of Islam and we ask Allah to allow us to leave this world as Muslims firmly practicing his religion. Amin. Islamic Online University. Changing the nation through education. Register now and get started. Visit www.iou.edu.gm for more details.